0: Perspective of what I would consider a yogi—is that all right to say?
1: Uh, a yogi on the journey.
0: <laughs> exactly, a yogi on the journey. There you go. Um, so Suzanne is here today, and she will be uh, explaining and sharing her story from studying media and journalism to transitioning to yoga and how that process has been. So thank you for being here.
1: Of course, thank you for having me.
0: So I guess we can just start by. Kind of explaining um, your background and how you got into yoga.
1: Sure. Um, so, for me, yoga, probably like many people, I started practicing yoga a long time ago just as something to do with the physical body so I can stay healthy, so I can feel like mm-hmm. I'm active. I actually remember I took my first yoga class back in college mm-hmm. only because the teacher was my cheerleading coach and I can not go to the class mm-hmm. but still get an A. And back then, I didn't really understand what yoga was. It wasn't until quite a few years ago when I, when I started to take yoga a little bit more consistently. Um, I was sharing with Eric um, earlier actually. A while back I did a 30-day yoga challenge and that was really the rhythm of that consistency, that commitment made me start to recognize, oh, yoga actually, when I do that every single day, I, I come out of it, feel really great and I want to learn more. I want to understand why this system works. Then, um, fast forward, after that, I started practicing yoga a little bit more frequently, and um, I did my yoga teacher training about four years ago, and that really changed my life. I really opened up my world and allowed me to understand what yoga truly is about. Um, From that point, I think think actually, now that I think about it, the first weekend of my yoga teacher training, I made a huge life-changing decision for me to decide from a lifelong carnivore i wanted to stop eating meat because because of the different principles yoga is teaching and um, they basically made me think if i want to take it seriously then i want to go deeper than just just Mm -hmm. trying to perform a perfect pose or something and from there my heart literally started to open up, and I was able to really dive deeper into the philosophies of yoga, start to practice yoga and meditation a little bit more, and allow that to transform my life in a way that I never expected. And now that I've been teaching yoga for quite a while, and um, yeah, as Eric was mentioning, my background, when I went to college, I wanted to change the world. I went into environmental science and engineering, then shortly realized that I was not the way, at least not for me. Mm-hmm. and so for my grad schools, I went into journalism and media, thinking maybe that's how we can help to uplift and share different stories, just like what you guys are doing right now, yes. to, to uplift and inspire people. But um, after graduation from the different schools I've been to, I went into marketing as as my profession, as my full time job. But uh, mm-hmm. after working there. Every year, I, there was a point I would just feel like, okay, I thought this job is how I can maybe potentially make a change in the world, but it's just a job. I'm hating that I have to find a new job again and again. Just started to see that pattern because I was always looking for those happiness, those fulfillment from the external. Mm-hmm. That's when yoga really helped me to start to look inwards, examine how am I feeling in my body, in my mind? What's actually determine my my actions, and um, that really allowed me to 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 come into a place that's more at peace with myself. And from there, I was able to go even deeper into the practice.
0: And so, how did you like? Did you just one day stumble across yoga and decide, oh, that looks interesting, or you were put onto it by someone? Or
1: no, it wasn't that. Definitely, it wasn't one day I woke up and be like, hey, I want to be a yogi. I uh-huh. think um, I've taken yoga on and off since my first yoga class, but it was usually, okay, I think I'm being very lazy, really. I need to be a little bit more active. Let do something. And yoga always feels good afterwards. It's not like I feel, I feel overworked or anything. Mm. And a few years ago, again, uh, like I mentioned, I did a 30-day yoga challenge. And through that challenge, I forced myself to basically commit to it. Because um, just with my personality, once I set a goal, I want to accomplish it, even though at times, at that time, it was very challenging because I never mm-hmm. did anything, any workout so consistently for 30 days. And that was a hot yoga challenge to to be able to do that. I, uh, I was drinking a lot at that point in my life. I had to stop drinking alcohol completely for 30 days because otherwise I would get a headache just because I was sweating so much and detoxing so much. And um, now that I look back, I think that was really an experience for me to 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 experience yoga, to experience the physical benefits of yoga, but also mentally it helped me to to become a little bit stronger, to be able to follow through with the things that was very challenged. That was that was a challenge for me. And after that I became a lot more committed to the practice mm-hmm. of yoga. And along the way I started to experience different benefits from the from from the practice, whether it's yoga or meditation or some healing techniques, it just gave me more and more faith. And I want to now share this practice with anyone that's interested.
2: could you explain to us like some of the struggles that you went through in the beginning as far as like learning yoga because I know for a fact like uh, not too young long ago I took up the yoga and I was like you know what let me get into it since you know all the gyms are closed and I need something to do at home to try to stay in shape so that I'm not like you know dying at work every time I have to lift somebody and um, it is not at as easy as it looks.
1: For me, I remember my first yoga class, I had no idea when I went into I went with my cousin who was practicing yoga for a while at that point. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't even remember if it was a beginner class or an open level class. But when I went in there, the instructor, were they were speaking a complete different language that I did not understand. Wow. Mm-hmm. They were saying, get into your downward facing dog. I was like, downward what? So I,
2: yeah,
1: so I feel like for me, definitely when I first started practicing yoga there was definitely this feeling like I don't know, I have no idea what I'm doing. And also I was quite intimidated when I first started because sometimes it's natural when you're going to a class, you're going to the gym, you look around, you see all those advanced yogis or people that's a lot more experienced than you. They are all doing those perfect poses, but I can't even barely do 10th of that. And that was a little bit encouraging, discouraging for Mm -hmm. sure. But uh, yeah, but then I I think I was very lucky. Along the way, I met some very encouraging teachers. So that also helped me to understand yoga is so much more than the physical poses. Um, Even from the the traditional, from the lineage, in in Patanjali's eight limbs of yoga, which is very widely studied here in modern days, uh, asanas are the physical poses that we practice, but it's only one-eighth of the whole system. And um, the, the reason we are practicing those asanas even is so we can allow the body to be more open, so we can allow the life energy, the prana to flow freely within the body. Then we can sit stillness, then we can meditate and start to go inwards and understand who I truly am. But the externals, the physical poses are really just just a means for us to get there. It's, it's, it's some tools for us to get there. There are some amazing yogis out there, they probably don't even practice those physical poses, but because they understand the philosophy of yoga, they're mm-hmm. able to really tap into the deeper teaching. They are, they're the true yogis, more than, more than anyone who can do a handstand.
2: I so uh, hope that helps. That <laughs> was amazing, damn. <laughs> so you said that being
0: able to kind of access that stillness allows you to um, understand who you truly are? Mm-hmm. So does is that something that helped you realize that yoga was for you? Cause when, when you say that, I kind of think like when I access that kind of quiet place in my head, I'll I'll understand maybe what I want to do with my life or what I um what my goals might be. The listeners we are trying to uh connect to are maybe ones that aren't really sure what they want to do with their lives. So is meditation a way or is yoga a way to maybe access that place where you can think clearly? Does that, does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think nowadays we're also stressed every single day, just from everything that's happening in our lives. We don't ever get to relax and yoga and meditation helps us to not only just relax the physical body, but also give the mind just a few moments to be able to focus on something so we can stop hearing all those constant chatter that's yeah. in our heads. I feel like we probably all have that experience. It's like you're doing something. The mind is trying to take you to the past, to the future. Mm-hmm. There's so many, a million things, but you can't really focus on what's happening. And um, if we're constantly living in that state of being, it's hard to really connect with your heart space, connect with your true self and know what's mm-hmm. what am I meant to be doing? Um, yeah, I think that can come back to yoga. The word of yoga, it means it comes from the, root of yoke so yoga means to unite we recognize there are many different many unions that that's always constantly happening in this life like right now my body is making yoga with the chair I'm sitting on because Mm -hmm. we're making contact and um, as a human being when we come into this body I teach always say there are three major yogas in our lives we're experiencing or striving to experience the first yoga is when when, when we start to come into existence, when the sperm and the egg, they come into yoga, they come make, to make that union, we embody it into this life. The spirit soul of who we truly are, we got into this physical body so we can be born into this world and experience this life. And that was the first yoga. Then there's the second yoga when we were born into this world, when your heartbeat and your breath start to make this union, this yoga. That's the second yoga. If you think about it, when we were in our mother's wombs, we are not breathing. The mom is breathing for us, but your heartbeat from the 25th day, I think, from conception, it already exists. But these two, from that moment until now, until we leave this body, they're always constantly happening with or without us realizing it. When I'm happy, I'm breathing. When I'm upset, I'm breathing. When I'm angry, my heart beats. When I'm sick, my heart beats. These are just such amazing gifts we're having to help us to even sustain this life in this body. Um, But anyway, so the third yoga that we are all yogis are striving to achieve in this life is the union between the soul and the super soul. So according to the teaching of yoga, we are all eternal spiritual beings. That's just... Physically being in a different body, it's like. So yogis believe in the eternity of the spirits. Believe in deep down, we are all this atma. We call it the atma the soul, and we also believe right in your heart space. Ne- next to your soul, there's this super soul, Paran atma. Some call it God, divinity, um, universal wisdom. Whatever you connect to, whatever tradition you're coming from, but yogis believe the third union. The reason why we're in this body is we want to invite this third yoga, the third u- union, when the Atma, our true self, start to recognize the super soul within us, the divinity within us. And that's when we start to access all the true universal wisdom. And I think that's just extremely beautiful teaching for me. Um, also because not because yoga also believe that as a super as a soul that's living in this physical body. Your true nature is eternal because the soul never dies. It was the physical body might dwindle, might go through different phases, but the soul will continue to exist. We've been here before this body. We'll be here after this body. It just continues. And the second big, um, big characteristic of our soul is full of knowledge and wisdom. So I think we all have that experience when we're really true to our heart space, when we have to make big decisions in lives or something, you have that gut feeling and it comes through your heart and it's always right. So yoga teaches us that we all we already have access to this this divine wisdom, to this true wisdom, but we are so often covered by different layers of the, the different things, different conditions we have. And we forget about this this beautiful wisdom that's immense and the third part of our true nature according to the teaching of yoga it's blissful it's like the soul by nature is joyful it's blissful it's not causing by anything it's not because i had this amazing ice cream or i have this beautiful home i'm i'm happy but rather it's coming from inwards
2: i'm like speechless just listening to this like yeah. i <laughs> So I, I read a book recently, right, when I was, because um, like I I, I, put, I tell myself that I'm on a constant spiritual journey, where it is I'm trying to find my true self, like the, my spiritual self that exists within the physical body. And like, I do a lot of reading and a lot of researching. And one of the books that I came across that like, when you talk, like, I just started thinking about this book, was the, uh, the Bhagavad Gita.
1: Yes. Oh,
2: I, I believe the, the book mm. itself is about the conversation between the Prince Arjuna and Krishna, when he was... to war with his family and he was asking for advice on like you know what is the reason who wins when family fights and it's just like the way the book breaks it down so poetically and then they throw yoga in there and they talk about getting in contact with the transcendental self and it's just it was just it probably was like the most eye-opening book that i've ever read and the way when it speaks about yoga and how yoga is so important and like within the same thing you spoke about was like it's beyond just the physical poses the book spoke about how it is that you more so have to focus on within and when you do the poses you focus on inside of you and that's when you get the true enlightenment of the yoga and it was it was just like 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 bro if you didn't read it yet you have to get on it you know it's it was like Right. And it even made me wanted to get into reading the Vedras, but I didn't get across to it yet because I feel like that's gonna take a decade to finish reading. But uh have you like ran into like any any like pieces of literature that you read on your way to becoming a yogi or um on your like on your yoga journey or like on your spiritual journey like or have you actually read the Bhagavad Gita? I've read it
1: many times, and I think it's so amazing you mentioned the Bhagavad Gita. It's really capturing the core essence of yoga. And um, yeah, like you said, I think anyone is looking for any spiritual journey, you should totally read it. And the Bhagavad Gita is from the, uh, it's a small part, a small chapter from the Vedas, which is written down way, way, way back from the of Vas- um, one of the sages. And it's basically connected. If you all the way trace it back, it connected to the universal wisdom we're talking about uh, itself. And the way Krishna was breaking it down, God himself breaking down those teachings to Ajuna, his friend, his student. It yeah, it makes my heart so happy to hear that you love it. Yeah. Bhagavad well, Gita well. it's a book that you can always go back to, even just flip through look at one verse every day, just keep going back. There's always some something new that's coming out, something new that you can realise through those reading of the sacred textbooks. That's that's so amazing. Yeah
2: it's a it's it's like that book was for me it was a uh, becoming superhuman was another really good book of course like you know like uh religious scripture like i've ran through uh i ran through part of the bible some of the torah i'm, I'm trying to start the quran just like to see how all these things connect and it's crazy because it's like when i was reading the Bhagavad Gita, it reminded me of a lot of the things that i was reading in some of these like religious scriptures and i'm just like
0: it is interesting how there's sometimes that uh Connection there's a
2: connection that you see. There's between... a crazy connection.
0: That,
2: and that... It, just, it just feeds to the, it just feeds to the narrative of their being. This like super consciousness that lies within us all that had, that is like basically sending us like cues telling us that we're all connected and that we need to like look within because there's something inside of us that's trying to come out to let us all know that we are not only just one, but we are all connected in some divine way. And it's just like, it's in the books, but it's like written in like, you know, like how you said the fine print, you mm-hmm. have to really look there to see it. And then once yeah, it, I feel like-, like it, a
0: hidden message everywhere.
2: Bruh, and it's, and it's like, and it's, it's spread apart. It's like, it's written everywhere in different languages. And if you just get into it and read it, you just see the connections. And it's just such a beautiful thing. And it's almost like, just like you said, it, it's like an inner bliss. It makes your soul smile when you start putting the pieces together. And like everything just makes sense instead of all the confusion. And it's like you, not only you physically get to be still, but your soul gets to just enjoy its stillness. You know, I, I feel like it was the Bhagavad Gita that told me that the soul actually does nothing or like the true you does nothing. It just sits there while the physical you is the one that's actually performing. And it's like, when I heard that line, I was just like, what? What do you mean I do nothing? And it was <laughs> like the true inner you does nothing and it's like you really like so it's like in the essence like if you disassociate yourself from the physical self and you look at your spiritual self this like the divine spirit within you actually doesn't do anything it's just the energy that basically like i guess radiates off you and then the physical self in the mind is what creates the expression Hmm. you know like the true you which is your inner soul or your inner self doesn't really do anything but just radiate energy and it is like whatever you put into your body is what feeds this same soul this that helps put back out that same energy the same way how you said when you got into yoga you had to change your entire diet around so it's like you have to eat yourself good stuff so it could like get metabolized and then the energy gets put back out there and you don't even know it or even feel it but it's something that happens on such a great scale. That it can even affect the person next to you as you sit next to them. Like sometimes I'll sit next to people and I'm just like, damn, bro, I can actually feel how angry you are right now. And it's just like, or like I can feel how happy this is making you. And it's like nobody really gets it. And they're like, what? What do you mean you can feel? It's like it's 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 like it's a different kind of like I don't know how to even explain it. It's like out of this world, uh-huh. right? Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so actually according to the teaching of yoga this body is actually um, our physical body the material body is made of five different layers there is the most gross layer of our physical body Then it's your your energetic body that's why you were saying that sometimes when you're sitting to someone next to someone you can feel their vibration you can feel their energy if they're very angry they don't have to say anything you can already experience it that's because you're already making contact with their energetic body but then there's another layer of your mind another layer of your intelligence, another layer of the I am, your false ego, how I identify myself in this in this body. I think I'm a female. I think I'm 5A. I think I'm a certain age. But um, underneath all those layers, that's your true self. Like you were saying, the true self, it's not a doer. We are experiencing this life. We're witnessing what's happening within the body, within the mind, within the intelligence. And again, everything that's happening... Even the false ego always thinking, I am working so hard. I am doing this. I am doing that. But you are not really the doer. There's this divine arrangement that's making things happen. You're just a small part, taking part of that, channeling this, and moving along with the journey. And I think for me, that's also a big reason why yoga really helps me to find that peace in life it's like yes a lot of times we have the physical struggle we have a lot of things we have to worry about we have to do it might bring up anxiety but if you can take a step back recognize okay yes this is my false ego my false ego is attached to to this task i have to do but my divine self my true self if i take a step back i'm just witnessing i'm just experiencing this human experience yes i'll do my best i'll do all i can to to fulfill my duty in this life. But that doesn't mean I'm being too overly attached to the results of the things I'm doing. I'm being taken away by that. But yeah, thank you for mentioning that being a witness of your own emotions, being a witness of your experience because you are not your emotions. We always say like, I am happy. I am angry, but no, you're not happy. You're not angry. You're experiencing those.
2: Yep. Oh, it's so, it's so, it's so, reassuring to like hear somebody else say it because when I was reading um becoming superhuman like in the beginning stages of you know getting to that part of meditation the, the 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 author spoke about like how you have to kind of step outside of your body and witness yourself go through these emotions and like see the physical changes that happen like does your heart rate increase does your face change like all these things that happen so that you can start reversing this and become more of a witness than, than an experiencer, if that makes sense.
0: How do you it, how do you reverse it? Like when you when you feel that emotion, how do you decide or can you decide in that moment I'm not gonna feel angry or instead I'm gonna feel happy, you know? Is that yeah,
1: I think it's less about trying to control what I'm experiencing, but also but it's more of recognizing okay, I recognize I'm experiencing this emotion of being happy, being angry Mm -hmm. right now, but that does not define me. That's not why I am. And (laughs) uh, I think one of the yoga classes I've taken a teacher say something very beautifully. They were saying, when we are angry or when we are having any emotions, it's normal for us to have reactions when those emotions come up, but it's only the first 60 seconds or however long, I don't remember exactly, the first initial period, you have no control. Then after that period, it's your choice. You can consciously choose whether I want to continue feeling angry or I can react in a different way.
0: That's pretty cool. So I only have to experience it for 60 seconds. <laughs> I'm mad.
1: i don't know exactly the length, but yes, that's Something, the idea. Yeah.
2: Not too long. You know what's crazy? Eric, I don't know if it was you. I was telling this and then I, I think it was both you and Adam. We were at a soul house and we were sitting in the locker room, and I said this to you, and you looked at me like I was crazy. I had said that, um, that there's this theory that says that everything that you're living right now is an illusion, like your reality is an illusion, like your name, the race you were born to, the religion you're part of, age, um, your height, all these things don't actually exist. You were just told these things, and now you believe that they exist, mm-hmm. who are actually nobody, and you're just floating around.
0: Well, that's kind of what the Four Agreements talks about, right?
2: Mm -hmm. And I said it to you, and you looked at me like I had like three heads that day. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, bro, nothing actually is real. We're just here enjoying this beautiful time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's definitely a beautiful perspective. It's not necessarily like the things we're experiencing is not real, but it's all just temporary. It's right now. My soul is living in this body. So I think that's all that I have. But uh, in reality, if you believe in those spiritual teachings, we are if we believe we are spiritual souls, then our ultimate home is in the spiritual realm. Right now in this 3D material world, we're just here, like you said, to experience this life, to, to experience this human experience. And through this experience, then we can start to come back to recognize, oh, even though I have a body, I'm not my body. I have my mind. I have those thoughts. I'm not those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Then why I truly am, then why am I in this world? Maybe it's for me to recognize the, the, the essence inside of me, then I can recognize the super soul, the divinity inside of me and all around. And um, yeah, that's such a beautiful, beautiful perspective. Thank you for sharing that. So yeah.
0: I feel like um, I know myself certainly has dealt with this. Eventually in your life, family is something that influences you significantly. And uh, I know I've heard Nate's story and his family certainly pushed upon him that he needs to be a lawyer or a doctor. Did you in your life, I guess, experience any pressure from your family? or And if so, did that at all affect the choices you made?
1: Well, I wouldn't say pressure, but um, mm-hmm. definitely because my parents, since I was a little girl, my family always really focused on education. So for me, when I, after college, when I was confused, not knowing what to do, I just naturally, it's like, it's a non-brainer, go on to grad mm-hmm. school. And when I graduated from that grad school, I was still not ready. Okay, go to another grad school. So it's yeah. definitely influenced by the way that my family were, um, were raising me when I was a mm-hmm. child. Um, yeah, then along the way, when I started to recognize these things, they, yes, great, we have great education, I have degrees, I have this and that, but it's not necessarily making me happy. And um, that's also when I started to turn into yoga to go inwards and recognize um, one of my teachers, His Holiness Rana Swami. He always say that no matter how m- we are always, m- many of us, all our lives, if we are not conscious about what we're doing, we're mm. all building sand castles. It's like we're building sand castles with your bank account, with your material position, with your fame, with whatever this world is telling us to build. But mm we don't see it far away. There's this wave of time is coming. It's yeah. probably all of us at some point, when the, when the time when death comes, all of those things, they're gonna be gone. No matter how many, how many friends you have, wow well, that's not a good example. No matter how many cars you have, how much money you have, you won't be able to bring them with you. And those things, they don't necessarily make you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was really a big, sort of almost like a wake up call for me. It's like, what am I trying to build in this life? If I'm trying to build material positions, do they make me happy? Or is it more going inward to do this inner work with yoga meditation to find a peaceful mind, to find a focused mind? Does that bring me more joy? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that answers your question.
0: I think but, it uh, does, yeah.
1: Yeah, and another thing my other teacher, Yogi Charu, always say that we always think that we don't get to choose our families, but if you again if you believe we're an eternal, soul, you do choose your family because the time of your you you're your trying to be embodied into into this world you're choosing what family you are going to be born into based on your past karma, based on your past psychic condition, if I have the tendency to eat a certain food living a certain um environment then i naturally choose i'm attracted the soul is attracted to 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 the physical body that can help me to fulfill those desires and in a way we do choose our families yeah yeah that's why we're so similar to our parents whether it's physically or our mental state we many of us we grow of course we are growing to our own individuals but at least when you're a child you can see the similarity between the way we do things and our parents
2: The one question they, the one statement they always make is trying, they always say like trying to get back, trying to go back to who you truly are. What is, what is one of the number one mistakes we all make to originally step away from who we truly are to have to get to the step of trying to get back now?
1: Hmm. That's a very big question. From my understanding, I think. I think the reason we all start to step away from Huijila is because we're living in this material world, and also right now, according to the teaching of yoga, we're in the age of Kali Yoga. It's a, it's an age where hypocrisy and quarrels are being being celebrated everywhere. So it's easy for us to chase the sense gratifications, the material uh, wealth, rather than going into the spiritual teachings, and also just by living in this world, we have to navigate what's happening in a life. If I go to go somewhere, if I'm going to the airport, an example, my teacher always say, if I go to an example, I need to fill out the custom form. I write down what's, what's your age? Eternal. What's your size? Eternal. Then, then I won't be able to even live on with this life. So we do need those, those, those different labels or um, the different different things. We, define this 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 physical body this false ego that so that we can we can survive in this world but along the way we are overly too attached to that i think i am a female i think i'm a certain height that i forget i'm actually more than that
0: is there a way you can lose attach? like you said we're overly attached or we can be so Mm -hmm. is there a way to lose some of that attachment or manage I that you know yoga
1: meditation
2: yeah. no. <laughs> Bro.
1: Yeah, but yeah. I, I do think think being able to um spend a few a few even a few minutes every day to just sit in stillness. Allow the mind to really start to quiet down. Maybe sometimes the mind might not be quiet, but even just observe the different thoughts that's coming up in the mind. Start mm-hmm. to start to allow yourself a few moments to 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 allow it's like in a water. imagine in in a cup of water there are a lot of dirt and if you stir it there's the Mm -hmm. water become very very cloudy but if you let the water sit there over time naturally the dirt is going to be sinking down towards the bottom and the water becomes clear again. That's honestly
0: like the most incredible metaphor I've heard
1: for it. (laughs) I've I've heard heard it from someone I'm sure Um, but um, yeah so that's how we can start to really allow the mind to settle when we are feeling a little bit more quiet, more still, then we can start to do all the other work,
0: right? Would you say there's a certain amount of time that like you would recommend someone who's beginning in meditation to uh, give themselves daily? Even
1: just five minutes would be great. And if for beginners, the most easy, effective way I've seen Mm -hmm. is to just focus the mind on the breath because the breath is constantly happening in the present moment when you attach Mm -hmm. the mind to the breath, naturally you come to the breath, present moment. Of course, the mind is still trying to distract you as you're breathing in and out, but as much as you can, maybe just for five minutes, focus on your breath. Notice this amazing breath. Do you guys know how many breaths we take on average on a single day?
0: Oh, gosh. I bet it's... take
1: them. Yogi's okay. recognize, maybe nowadays we breathe more because everyone's a lot more stressed out, but Yogi's recognize on average we take 21,600 of breath.
0: Oh wow! I, I overestimated that by a lot. <laughs> I said, million.
1: But yeah, so- but still, if something you're doing twenty-one thousand six hundred a day, it's extremely important. But how often do we even take a pause? Be like, okay, let me sit with my breath. Yeah. Not very often. If you can even just do that, we start to develop the concentration of the mind. We start to develop the strong willpower. Five <laughs> minutes a day. Am I not seeing a lot, but if you can really do that every day, I think we can all benefit from from that.
0: So what about, what comes next after the breath? What do you focus on?
1: Um, There are different, so different people have different psychic conditions. For some people, Mm -hmm. if you are more active, maybe the physical yoga asana practice can be a good start to do those poses, allow the body to stay healthy, stay vibrant. Mm -hmm. And for some people, if I'm naturally, I'm attracted to, Be more quiet, sitting in stillness, and you can sit in stillness, try to meditate. There are many, many different Dharan techniques, concentration techniques out there. Um, And if someone is extremely, extremely stressed out, there's this technique, um, this practice called Yoga Nidra. It means yogic sleep. So where we put, we talked about the five different layers of the physical body. We put the physical body into the sleep, and then you allow the mind to be focused, and from there you can tap into a deeper state of relaxation, but also allow the inner wisdom to come out. Uh, Yeah, there are just so many different techniques. I think anyone can choose a different type that's that's suited for wherever we are in our evolution, wherever we are, that our bodies are, our mind are. For Mm -hmm. example, for me, when I first started, I was attracted to more of the outer yoga, as they would say, like doing the physical poses. But I start to grow a little bit more. I'm more attracted to the meditation coming towards the inner yoga. But maybe for someone else, they're naturally, maybe they're just naturally attracted to the meditation part. And Mm -hmm. over time, maybe they will come to the outer side. But it's a whole system. Um, Whichever that's speaking to you right now would be a good start. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nate, we'll we'll do some meditation after this.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'll
2: be be meditating. You're sleeping, man. Like, I have... little a little morning routine that I do now, like, um,
0: uh.
2: Like, uh, like, I'm telling you, bro, like, it's like after you read certain things, you become guilty when you catch yourself not practicing yeah. what you've read. So it's like, I, one thing I've definitely read about was like uh, breathing practices, like different types of breathing techniques, uh, a tiger breath, fire breath, all these crazy different things. And they actually definitely do help because you get this feeling of calmness. And then, like in the morning, I'll do my breaths, like a 10 minute breath exercise before I get up. I like, as soon as I wake up, I try to get up like an hour before my alarm and just sit there in quiet and stillness and just listen to what's going on around me instead of Mm -hmm. just like picking up my phone and going through it. And then I also like dedicate like five minutes to speaking to my spiritual self. So, like, I just like, it's almost like I'm, it's almost like a prayer, but like, I speak and give thanks to the spirit within me for allowing me to do certain things like being able to speak and learn and just like walk and use my, 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 my hands and things mm-hmm. like this. And then I would say like, I guess that's kind of meditation. It is. I've, I've been kind of like, I'm, I'm definitely staying consistent with the speaking. I'm like my, the breathing I'm def I'm like off every so often. And when I, when I'm like halfway through my day and I'm like, dang, I didn't do my breaths. I'll literally be on the ambulance with like a patient and just sit back there and just like, while we're riding to the hospital, just get my, like, start breathing, like, do my breathing techniques, taking the deep breaths, hold it, and, like, really enjoy the feeling of, like, uh, filling your lung- lungs up. Because I heard somebody, one of these people I was listening to, they said that when we breathe rapidly and the quick, short breaths that we take, we only fill up the top portion of our lungs, and that's where our, like, our response, uh, the, the receptors are for, like, fear and, like, um huh. like, well, uh, like, back to the chakras, right? Yeah, that relates back to the chakras, doesn't it?
1: Um, the chakras are slightly different because we actually have many, many different chakras in the mm-hmm. body. But normally we work mainly with the seven major chakra system. So it's where the energetic body is meeting the physical body. so It's along your spine, colon, all the way from one inch below the tailbone towards the crown of your head. Although my teacher always say that the crown chakra is more of an experience. It's not something that we can practice. Huh. Uh, but yeah, there are so many different techniques, and I think it's so amazing you have those in your daily routine just a little bit here and there really helps you to come back to it. And I wanted to share one thing. One thing Please. you said let you talk to your spiritual self, I think it's very beautiful. My teacher gave us an example of how very often many people, we're praying. We're pr- when we're praying, we're asking, we're talking to God, asking for things when you're meditating you're actually listening because when we're meditating we allow ourselves to be quiet then you can start to receive whatever whatever blessings or wisdom that's coming through and i thought that was such a beautiful thing because because we're always talking we're always trying to express how i feel how i think but how often do we really sit and And
2: listen yeah right that's awesome it's like what she said about the receiving the wisdom, There's this is uh, man I listened to, his name is Minister Lewis Farrakhan, and he said, he's, there was this one, um, this question he put out there, he was like, if the messenger of God comes to you, would you turn him down if you knew he was the messenger? And then everybody's like, no, of course not, I would never do that. And then he says, do you know that we kill the messenger of God every day? And everybody's like, what are you talking about? And he's like that inner voice inside of you that tells you to do right when you're getting ready to do wrong. When you have that gut feeling or when you're trying to give yourself some good advice and you never listen, you're basically killing the messenger within you. And Mm -hmm. and once he said that, I was like, it kind of like took me aback and I was like, yo, like maybe we have, maybe there's something inside of us that we really have to listen to. And that's when I really changed the entire idea of like prayer. When it was like instead of just like praying into space into whatever I rather just pray into myself and give thanks to myself and then speak to what's in me because I know when I'm in tough situations there's something inside that speaks to me and tells me like you shouldn't do this or like I have that that guilty feelings that's saying that you're doing something bad so like once you focus on that that's actually there because it's like you're not saying it but there's something inside of you trying to talk out to you, uh-huh. you know? take that moment to like talk back to it and give it thanks just for allowing to give you that wisdom. And then you allow to give you, make yourself more conscious of its voice in a way.
1: Totally. Because again, yogis recognize that's the third yoga we're looking for. Right inside of our heart space, we have our Atma, which is our true self. And right next to it, there is the Paranama, the divinity in the heart. So as you are praying to the Lord in the heart, to the Paranama, you're already making that connection with the super soul. And again, that's where all the wisdom come from. That's amazing. You're already doing that. You are a yogi. <laughs>
2: I'm, t- bro, I'm telling you, bro. I'm here. I don't know what I was meant to do, but I'm, I'm here, bro. I'm here.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> we, we definitely have uh, two questions that we ask every single guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nate, Nate knows what they are. But before we get there, there's something that we, given the, the time and um, everything that's going on in the world, we can't ignore it. We are in the midst of a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. Oftentimes, during this pandemic, people start to feel unfulfilled because their lives have changed. Uh, their, their work that they were doing daily is is no longer a thing. Um, you're having to maybe do things you wouldn't normally do in order to supplement income. are you dealing with uh, the pandemic and coping in these very weird times?
1: Totally. Um- I was just reflecting on this the other day. I think I'm extremely grateful to really just have the tool of yoga and meditation mm-hmm. to create a safe container for me through this whole pandemic thing. Um, yes, there are a lot of changes in life. Um, things are changing. My classes are getting cut. I don't know, you know, with that, with, with this world, we don't know where we're going to be mm-hmm. facing next. There's definitely this fear and anxiety happening. But for me, I have been very lucky over the last few months I've been in hundreds of hours of training with my teacher and also I have my own practice where I get up in the morning first thing I do is meditation and yoga mm-hmm. and before I go to sleep that's that's the last thing I do so it's like creating this this container to help me to really cope with what's happening oh. and also I think from a more spiritual perspective more yogic perspective it's also like everything in this world only lasts for a while so there's there's this certainty, not this certainty, there's this uncertainty of not knowing what's happening, but at least we all know whether things are going good or going bad, they're only lasting for a while. And when they're happening, we can always choose to, either I can choose to to completely give up, let myself go and um, gratify my senses, doing whatever that gives me some temporary relief, or I can take this opportunity to really go deeper than that, to understand why this pandemic is happening? Is it because of something as a human species we have been doing wrong? How can we learn from that? And individually for me in this time, when I have this space, how do I really put it into into the right work that I can be doing so that when when things are changing or necessary, people things might not even be changing, so I can just improve myself, allow myself to evolve, to become... become a little bit more compassionate towards others to be able to feel more more not necessarily in control but less affected by my emotions so yes things are definitely not what we want in this moment but we can still choose how we are reacting to it and of course there are days it's still like okay today is just a day that's super depressing i'm not feeling good I'm gonna have some vegan ice cream and just relax, read a book and rest. And that's mm-hmm. all that I do because we all need that restoration. We all need that relaxation so we can go back and do the work. Mm-hmm. As long as that's not, for me, as long as I'm not doing that seven seven days in a week, that's good.
0: <laughs> right. The first one we ask everyone is, how do you define happiness?
1: Define happiness? Mm-hmm. Um, I think happiness, Is well I think happiness we are looking for is inside of us. Again, if you really believe and you want to live the teaching of yoga Mm -hmm. by nature, the soul is such ananda, eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss. And that bliss is, I believe, the higher state, the highest state of of happiness. It's when Mm -hmm. you recognize who you truly are, when you allow the inner joy to come out, that's when you can find true lasting happiness. Um, I believe in this world, we're all looking for happiness, every single one of us. No one comes to this world, wake up in the morning feel like, oh, today I feel like suffering. Yeah, so we're all, right? intuitively, we're already looking for that happiness, but how do I find the happiness that's not just making me feel okay for a day or a week, but rather mm-hmm. can sustain? I think that's, that's the better question, and I don't have an answer for that, yeah. <laughs> but I hope one day we yeah. can all experience that joy comes from within.
0: Maybe it's, it's happiness is never, uh, or it's something you just work for continually. Mm-hmm. You're never necessarily going to, it's not something that clicks immediately and you have it and you'd stare forever. Or, or maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah. think thought for sure.
2: I maybe think like happiness is, just not constant. So you can't really truly define something that's not constant. You know, as we change our definitions of happiness and our experience of happiness changes. Because something that made you happy when you were five can't make you happy when you were 30.
1: Totally.
2: You know, so it's more so the continuing change of happiness makes makes us unable to really define it. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. I feel like we ask that question a lot, more so to get the perspective of the people that we're speaking to. Not necessarily get a true definition from it. I'm so enlightened. Like, I had a crazy Mm -hmm. little night. And then just to have this conversation in this space is just like, it's bringing me back to ease where I can just like rest peacefully now.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah.
2: This
0: next question is maybe, well, it can be a little bit more material, but how do you define success and does your, does your profession, how does your profession maybe influence that?
1: Well, according to the teaching of Bhagavad Gita, I believe success is when you align what you do with your your true dharma, which is your duty while you're in this world. Every one of us, we have different strength, we have different weakness, we have different psychic conditions. Mm-hmm. So, I believe when we can really understand, discover what that strength, what what I am, what I'm good at, and that's also giving back to the world, and I can align that with what I do every day to, to sustain my life.
2: To me, that's success. We need to just talk to more yoga teachers. I feel like my, this is my, I feel like this is my realm. Like every time I speak about like psychology and just like getting into the inner self and the workings of the mind and getting into like spirituality, that's like when I really tune in and I'm like, okay, this is where I can really get into it. And we talk about business and like all the material stuff. I'm like, all right, I need to know this stuff, but it's like, yeah, See, I yeah.
1: yeah, you on your journey as well. And just the fact that you would choose to read Bhagavad Gita back to back, cover to cover, it's it's amazing. It's also it's also the super soul inside of you that's guiding you to even pick up that book and yeah. read it and get a wisdom from that.
2: I'm telling, I'm telling you, Eric, if you didn't even, like, just go, go listen to the audiobook real quick. Like, well, I, like,
0: I read, like, the first... I, re- I read the first, uh, I have like multiple pictures of it in my phone, passages. It's, that just it's like
1: a version uh, that's from, I think it's called Rancher Primer. This version is, um, he basically wrote it in a very easy to understand way so that his children can understand it. That was one of the versions I read first. And mm-hmm. I think it really helped me to understand it because there are other versions like Bhagavad Gita as it is. It's a lot more dense and might be a little bit harder to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll send you the link of of that
0: version oh, I have. how can the listeners go about finding you uh, on Instagram or Twitter? Or...
1: Sure. Um, I'm not on Twitter much, but I'm Instagram. My personal Instagram is Susan Hu 33. Because three is my favorite number. It's also my birthday. Um, so it's just Susan Hu 33. Oh, yeah. And I also created a page um, about a year ago, wanting to create this community for for anyone to 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 be able to share their wisdom. About yoga, it's called Everyone's Yoga because I truly believe, like we mentioned earlier, many of us we feel intimidated when we wanted to even take a yoga class. But yoga is really so much more than those events, physical poses. Yoga is really mm-hmm. for everyone, for us to evolve, for us to just get to know who we are. So uh, yeah, so it's Susan Wu three three and Everyone's Yoga.
0: We will be in a class soon with you if you'll have. Yeah. One million percent. That is happening. we going to do it.
1: Yes, please. Is- oh, right now, um, I teach and I manage the yoga program at a Bhakti Center in New York City. Mm-hmm. It's a cultural center, a spiritual center. I really transformed my life personally. Um, and it's located on first and um, second. First and first, actually. First year and first F. In and the is East it country.
2: open right now? No. <laughs> okay, I figured it'd be But um, we do
1: have online Zoom classes right now, okay. if anyone wants to join
2: sure. Let's go. Yeah.
1: I also do, every Friday, actually, on Instagram, I do a fundraising um, class. You can come. You don't have to donate if right now it's a little bit challenging. But every Friday morning, 7.30 Eastern time, I do a all levels yoga meditation for one hour every Friday.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm there.
1: That's yes. happening. Looking forward to having you there.
2: <laughs> I'm there.
1: So nice chatting with you both. It's yeah, such a nice space you. you're creating. Really, yeah, it's, it's been very joyful.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for thank you for for taking time out of your day to talk to us and our listeners and
2: uh we really appreciate it of course we, we do like to close out every session with like some words of wisdom so if you have any words of wisdom for anybody listening please enlighten us
1: wow i don't know uh, if that's, I-
2: like a,
0: that's <laughs> a that's a that's a, a ve- you could do anything i guess anything um, let's see Maybe it's something that, a quote that you carry? Or- yes,
1: there is a quote that I, I've always liked since I was a little girl. And it wasn't yogic, but it's kind of related to yoga now that I think about. It's from The Little Prince. It says, okay. what's, what's essential, it's invisible to the eyes. It's only with the heart you can see the essence. Something along the way. Yeah. And um, I was always very attracted to that book when I was a kid. And I was feel like, whoa, this is so cool. I don't have to use my eyes to see yeah. Um, I didn't understand it obviously back then but now that more and more I start to see naturally my psychic condition was Mm -hmm. attracted to that because I do believe what's really essential in all of our lives it's beyond what we can see sometimes even beyond what we can perceive because it is if you do believe the spiritual realm then that's where we come from the true knowledge wisdom come from there it's only within the heart space with a with, with our Atma, then with the blessings from the Pranama, the Super Soul, we're able to receive that.
2: It's like actually hearing somebody say those terms. It just sounds better than when I was saying it in my head when I was reading it. So like now that I know how to really say it, it's all right, it's all good now.
1: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>